Welcome to Season 2 of the Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting Podcast. You can attend this meeting live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time using the Zoom ID 848-5208-0640, password 061120. For more information about adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, visit adultchildren.org. The following speaker share from Bill W. was recorded on March 2nd, 2023. All right. I just got told I was being recorded. Thank you, Zoom. All right. Hi. Hi, family. Hi. Hi, Bill. Bill. Thanks for being here. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm Bill. I'm an adult child. Good to see a bunch of you. Uh, you know, I was sitting here, you know, looking as people were logging in and uh, uh, I'm, I don't know, I don't like the term old timer, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, you know, I, I went to my first ACA meeting in 1988 before uh, there was literature, you know, the red book, the yellow book. I mean, all the stuff that you use today did not exist. Uh, so I've, I've been around a long time, uh, but I, I think, you know, a lot of times I look at myself and I go, you know, at times I I feel like I haven't made any progress. But but one of the things I was realizing looking at all your beautiful faces is, is um, the love that I feel and uh, and and the growth is allowing that love in. And uh, OK. It's like I got forty five minutes and I'm crying already. Uh, so I just it's awesome, and uh, I just you know, to, you know, eighty eight. What was that? Thirty some years ago, to be able to say what I'm saying, be able to talk about what I'm going to talk about tonight. It's just um, like I have a you know, you've heard the thing. I mean, you know, don't leave before the miracle happens. But I have a sponsor that says there's many miracles, and I could just point to a lot of miracles. So. It's great to be here, and uh, I am, I'm an adult child, and I'm also a recovering perfectionist, so uh, probably the most painful thing that's ever happens in my life is listening to me, uh, the, the 45 minutes that I spoke. Uh, I'd rather, you know, have uh, a tooth removed than listen to myself, because I'm always like, oh, no, I could have said that better. Uh, I, I said too many ums, or, you know, I just... You know, it's it's okay. It's okay. And uh, I'm not going to be doing this perfectly. And uh, so let me start. Um, actually, I've already started. I've been starting. <laughs> like, all right. So, uh, so I'm, I'm in ACA because my childhood trauma still affects me as an adult. And that's why I'm here. Uh, it's not for revenge or, or uh, you know, helping my resentments. Uh, it's about that it, my childhood trauma impacts my behavior and uh, impacts my love life, impacts my career, impacts my driving, you know. In fact, I think, and there probably is, when I always say things, you know, maybe there, there should be a 12-step program for driving, but there probably is, you know, there's a 12-step program for everything. And to... You know, there's two places where I can see how my recovery has grown is is service. Uh, if you haven't done service, uh, that's a good test of your recovery. And the other place, and I do live in Southern California, so driving is important. 
the other place to test of my recovery is driving. So uh, that's always, uh, you know, many times I do a little prayer before I go drive because uh, I am a, I'm not proud to say I'm, I'm a recovering rage, rage, uh, road rager. So, but one of the things I see in my, in over 30 years, and I've been in other programs too, is that is the, the you know we talk about serenity and, and calmness and i when i when i hear newcomers or people that meet me and tell me how calm I'm, i am i, I want to laugh because uh i don't i don't come from a family of calmness <laughs> we uh there's nothing calm about my family and we we are all really loud like i had I hadn't seen my brother in over 20 years. And I remember being in the parking lot and my brother was talking to me and I go, why are we so loud? This is what people have to deal, deal with me, you know, because I, I don't really have an inside voice, but that's my family. There was a lot of, lot of drama, a lot of arguing, a lot of fighting, a lot of screaming. And uh, just, I remember as a child being in my bedroom and when I, when I finally got my own bedroom in high school, I remember hearing my parents argue and, and I just go, I'm in my little own little world of safety. And um, so I, again, uh, I joined ACA in 1988. Um, at the time I was living, I was living with my girlfriend at the time and uh, now, there's probably many of you who weren't even born in 1988, but but uh, for some of you that knows, there was a there was a well-known book that came out around that time. Um, it's called Codependent No More. I think probably many of you have heard that book, Codependent No More, by Melody Beattie. And my my girlfriend at the time had had read the book, and. Uh, she said to me one day, you know, that she had read this book and she realized she was codependent. And uh, she said, I was codependent too. I had no idea what codependency was. I knew I had no idea what that word meant, but I agreed with her. I think that's one of the signs of codependency. If someone calls you codependent and you do not know what it means and you say yes, chances are you're probably a codependent. So that was my first exposure to, uh, I guess, to recovery, to self-help. And uh, at the time, my girlfriend suggested we go to uh, Codependence Anonymous and uh, CODA, as many of you are familiar with. And so I, we went to one meeting, Is was my memory. And again, this is a long time ago, so... Uh, and I've told this story so many times, so who knows if I've edited it for because it sounds better. But my memory is that uh, we went to one meeting, and, and not really too long after that, we broke up. She broke up with me. And um, in 1988, my father passed away also. So uh, my father died of cancer. He died very young at 62 years old of, of uh, bladder cancer. And uh, my girlfriend broke up with me. So I was in a lot of pain then. So I, And so I decided to go back to Dakota, go back to meetings. And I was going and I was attending, I don't know how many, three a week or 
whatever it was at the time. And many of the people in, in CODA were also in adult children of alcoholics, were in ACA. And technically, my parents are not alcoholics. Uh, my grandfather is an alcoholic. Uh, my brother is an alcoholic. But my parents were not alcoholics. And so I go, I can't, I can't go to ACA. My parents are not alcoholics. And many said, no, you're, you obviously have come from a dysfunctional family. And so they, they welcomed me. Now, I've shared that story before. And there, there's some people who have told me that were around that time, too. And, and in, in some areas, they, they wanted people to be uh, children of alcoholics. I don't know if that's true or not. But in my case, I was very welcomed into ACA. And I started attending. Now, again, I mentioned earlier, there was no, there was no literature then. Uh, I was 29 years old when I started going to ACA. And it was interesting because my memory is most of the people in the program were around my age. There were older people and, and younger people. But we had things which I haven't seen in years. We In the Southern California area, we had ACA dances. And uh, I don't, I haven't seen that in probably 25 years, but I was single and, and we had three dances a month, and I would go sober dances, and uh, I just have a lot of fun memories of doing that. And around those, around that time too, in the Southern California area, they started, um, they started two retreats that ended up. They weren't. I don't think they were called this when they started, but today there is Camp Recovery, which is typically in April in Southern California, and and there is Fall Mountain Retreat, which typically in September. Now this year it was in November. I, I'll let you know. Last Saturday, uh, Camp Recovery Camp Recovery went on sale, and within um, I believe seventy minutes, the whole camp was sold out. So, if you want to know if ACA is healthy, I think that's proof enough. I mean, there was a there was a point in I would say probably. The early 90s and early 2000s is would ACA survive? There was a point where is this program gonna gonna make it? Well, just look around the Zoom room. Has ACA made it? And so to me, there is there is reasons for this program to go on. So my childhood, and I was prepping today, and who knew that. Bill, you froze. I don't know if you can hear, but if you can, turn off your video for a moment and try just speaking without video. I'm going to text him. Thank you, TD. Okay, my Murphy's Law, my internet went out. 
or whatever. So I hope you didn't hear me all cuss just now. If you did, uh, bless me. I'm glad uh, you're back. <laughs> all right, I'm back. I was like, no, not the internet. I'm speaking. An ACA, how could my internet go out? Did somebody pay the bill? Okay, it's all good. Remember, I told you how calm I am. You know, you just see me now, right? It's okay. Breathe, breathe. Uh, I always the the secret of recovery for me is is breathing. All right. So if there's one thing you learn tonight, uh, breathe. All right. That's that's really important in recovery and life. Breathe. So I'm breathing. Okay, I'm back. So, so my parents. I think I remember where I left off. Does that does that count against my time where I was going? Okay. Uh, so, uh, my parents. My father was from Kentucky, small town in Kentucky. My mother was, you know, seventy miles from New York City. So, completely different cultures. And my father used to joke he was from Kentucky. The first time he ate with his in laws, uh, he was just starting to eat, and they were already done eating. So, uh, you know, just different. Uh, and my parents were in a lot of ways opposites. Um, my father was very aggressive, uh, had rage. He could be extremely charming. I was telling someone this time, my father could be extremely charming uh, with, with bouts of rage. And I was telling this to a, a friend of mine that's known me a long time, goes, well, that sounds like you, Bill. Oh, oh. But uh, yeah, so he would he could be extremely charming. If you met him, he could be really charming. And they just he had a lot of he had a lot of issues with rage. But he, he his father was an alcoholic and uh, and was a very physically and emotionally abusive to him. My father, both my parents lived through the Great Depression, and um, uh, the thing about if you've had parents or you have grandparents or anybody that's lived through the Great Depression is you save everything. You learn to do everything on your own. I think one of the great disappointments my father is, is I don't like to work on cars. And uh, I used to help, I used to help my father uh, repair cars. And basically the only skills I developed from that is, is how to hold a flashlight. Um, so, um, so I think my father, part of manhood was that you work on cars. And I, I used to say, I went, I went to college and got a degree so I could pay other people to work on my car. So, um, so he was very, you know, I would, I was a very sick child. I had a lot of illnesses when I was young. And, uh, I think my father perceived me as being very weak. And I was the third child. I have an older brother and an older sister. And so I never seemed to, you know, it wasn't never tough enough for my father. 15 minutes? Okay. I was, ne I was never tough enough for my father. And uh, my mother was uh, what I learned later that I had emotional incest with my mother. Uh, you know, as I jokingly would call her later, smother. And so my mother, and I, you know, I was a young child. Uh, she looked to me for, to rescue her emotionally. And uh, I was, I was a young child. I, I couldn't rescue myself emotionally. 
let alone rescue my mother. And so my mother would say things like, you know, um, you're a good boy. You know, I know you're not going to like sex. Like, what? You know, talk about screwing you up on, on stuff. And so, and then my, so I had my mother who wanted me to rescue her than my father where I wasn't man enough. And so that was the, that was the thing. Uh, and the big message I got from my father was that I was lazy and that I was stupid. I think that was, if I'm looking at anything, you know, we talked, I talked about the trauma of childhood, how it's, it's followed me to adulthood is those two things. You're lazy and you're stupid. And I can tell you, uh, neither of those are true. But it's that part of me that I'm constantly having to prove uh, that has made me into a workaholic. Or um, I always say, being in, in ACA and being in recovery so long, I've done a really good job of, of making sure I've gotten abusive people out of my life. Uh, but the only problem is there's like one person that's left that's really abusive, and that's my critical parent. And that that person is still here. So I may have done a good job. Like I I would never, I would never be friends. I would ne never let people in my life that talk to me like my critical parent talks to me. They would they would not last a millisecond. But so that that critical person, that's you know, we're talking about results of your of trauma from your childhood is that is that fellow traveler that I have that is that tells me I'm I'm stupid and lazy. So now the good news is that's where ACA recovery comes in. And uh, you know I'm here to talk about experience, strength, and hope. And if there's another word that I, I want you to all remember, breathe, breathe uh, is hope. Hope. That's why I keep coming back. All right. And I'm going to, I'll get more into that. All right. So, so that was my childhood. And I, and so I, I had weight issues as a child and around, uh, I would say probably about eighth grade, I went from a C student, uh, that was overweight to, to an A student that, uh, that I started, I started jogging with my father and again, if you're around the, the early 70s, there was a thing called the jogging. Jogging started becoming something around the early 70s. And so my father wanted me to jog with him. And that was, in a lot of ways, was the way that we connected. I would go, we'd go to the high school track and I would, I would jog one lap around. My father would do, do more laps. And I remember one day he said, you need to do two laps. And I remember I, I cried the whole second lap because he made me, but he made me do a second lap. But the thing was from that, which was probably about sixth or seventh grade till, till I got to ninth grade um, and 10th grade, I was running 10 miles a day. So I went from crying for running a second lap on the track to a long distance runner where I was running 10 miles a day in high school and I'd lost all this weight. Uh, I was all league and cross country and at uh, Long Beach Jordan High School in California here. 
And I was running like 10 miles a day and it was six sub six minute miles. So I was running pretty good. And I also became an honor student. And so one of the examples that I always give when I was in high school, so I was, I was honor student. I was running 10 miles a day and I was tired because I was working out really hard. I was laying on the couch and my father came home from work and he just screamed at me for being a lazy bum, you know? And so that's, and how that has messed me up is like relaxing. If you know anything about like sports, sports medicine is so much bigger than it is today. And uh, one of the elements of sports medicine is rest is yes, you work out. And so in how these athletes now, these top athletes where rest is almost, is probably just as important as the workout. And so I needed to rest, but in my father's eyes, you know, idle hands went to the devil. And so I could never be happy, you know? And so I was always overworking because if I rested, there was, I was a lazy bum. So getting into ACA to me is, is the fact that, you know, step one is getting out of denial is being able to, you know, what is it, you know, people will say, why do you look at your childhood? Just move on, you know, stop looking. Well, it helps me because the things I just shared with you, I understand this. And this is where I can make changes in my life because I can understand why, like why when you, you know, I had someone where I was really tired and they were saying, oh, you're sleeping all the time. And in my head is what they were saying is you're a lazy bum. But I was able to identify that, that I was triggered by that. And so then I can change that behavior by understanding from where that's where I came from. And so that's why it's important to understand these things, because that's part of the, the recovery element is, okay, I understand why I tr I'm triggered when you say that, or I understand uh, why I get all upset is because I have these these issues about being uh, not smart or lazy. And then the other thing is I ended up getting, you know, I was always in the family looked like I was the dumb, the dumb one, but I ended up getting a degree in electrical engineering, which is one of the more difficult degrees to get into, uh, to get. So all this stuff, all this messages were, were false in my head. Um, let me just look at my notes for a second here. All right, so one of the things that, that was a result of uh, my childhood was a thing called disassociation. And uh, as I mentioned earlier about there, there was a lot of screaming in my family and there was, there was some physical abuse, but it was mostly emotional and mental. And so I told you I was in my bedroom and I'd go, I'm in my own world. So I would, I developed this like fantasy life. I remember as a child, we had an empty lot right next to our house and I would go and I would just walk back and forth and I would be in my own fantasy world. You know, maybe I was on another planet or I was in Western or whatever I was in and how I escaped from the trauma of my, the craziness of my childhood is by going into disassociation. And it was a, it was a tool. It was protection, but uh, in later parts, it, there was issues. There was issues. I remember I got a degree in electrical engineering and some, you know, I was able to work on my own, but I remember going to meetings 
when I started working as an engineer and they would always like holler at me like, Bill, you're not paying attention because I, most of my time I was disassociated. I got, I got in the habit of, I guess you could say it was a drug where I got disconnected from, from reality. And, and so I had to, I didn't understand it. And it, obviously in relationships where they, I'd be, be with somebody and they'd be like, Bill, you know, where are you? You're not here. And so I had to, I had to understand that and, and, um, and work on being present. Um, one of the things I do when I'm around people, I, it's really important for me to be in the moment and be present being here. Um, and that, so I'm, I, I, a lot of my life, I've like looked at, looked at what's happened in the past or, or thinking about what's going to happen in the future. And one of my growth in, uh, in recovery is, is this moment right now where I'm talking to you, be here at this moment and not to, to be somewhere else. So that was a big thing for me. Uh, so also in, and, uh, is, is looking at, uh, you, I'm sure many of you have heard is um, we teach people how to treat ourselves. And so as I started feeling better about myself, I talked about it later, I, you know, this critical parent in me. Um, and I think one of the things I do, again, I talk about breathing is when I, that critical parent is attacking me, then, then I take a breathe. Um, one of the tools I have is meetings. It's great. You know, one of the things that, you know, the pandemic was was horrible, but one of the things that came out of it, at least for me, is 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 Zoom, is being able to look at you guys from all over, in some places, you know, around the planet, that I would never be connected with you. And so I have all these people that, fellow travelers, that I can, I can talk to about what's going on with me, that I can connect with, uh, just the being able to trust people again that that you know that that I've met in in the years of retreats and stuff that's that's helped me when that critical parent comes up and usually what is it um, what is it tired angry uh, what, you know you know that one the list of things that happen uh, to me is hangry that's probably my biggest one I'm you know don't 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 be around me when I haven't eaten or when I haven't had morning coffee. So those are like the things that, uh, and so the awareness that, okay, that I'm, I'm cranky because I haven't eaten and I don't need to lash out. At, I don't need to lash out myself. Uh, I can understand. I can breathe. and like, okay, it's all right. It's okay. It's not important. It's not important. This again, to me, so much is just relax, calm down breathe uh before thank you uh someone put it in your td uh halt uh hungry angry lonely tired thank you td thank you you know what i'm just gonna i'm just gonna move my mouth td and you want to finish the rest <laughs> td you're awesome if you're not if you don't go to wednesday night meeting because a great wednesday night meeting uh i would definitely go to it um, and actually, TD is the reason I'm I'm speaking tonight. So thank you. All right. So yes. So 
understanding the situation, I, I said the the key of my growth in in recovery is is two places, right? Service and I, I service is so important. Uh, I know I've had sponsors that just said, you know, uh, like I meetings that I needed to go to, I take a service position because then I have to, I need to, it gives me a, a reason because for me, it's a slippery slope. Like, ah, it's, it's a long day at work today. I'm just, I'm not going to go to the meeting. Next thing I know, you know, six months later, I haven't gone to the meeting before. So I haven't gone to, to the meeting, you know, back to the meeting. So I, service positions are really important for me because it gets me to meetings. Um, Again, service is a way to see my recovery. Uh, a lot of the traditions, right, are talking about how how we get along with others. And uh, to me, ACA growth is going from feeling unlovable to feeling lovable. And, you know, that's not narcissism. Because when I feel more lovable, I have more love to give to other people. All right. And so... That's that's the growth. That's the arc for me. And so in service, you know, I believe it or not, this may surprise many of you. I have control issues. Okay. Just I know that's a surprise to most of you. I have control issues. And so in service, it's like, why aren't everyone doing it exactly the way I want them to do it? Like, obviously, I, my, I have a better way, you know, and, and so it's good for me to go, okay, there's other, there's other ways to do things, maybe listen to what people say. And it's, it's been a big growth for me because I, I want to do it my way. And I do have an engineering background. And if, if you know anything about engineers, we are never wrong. So, um, so if you know an engineer. Hug an engineer today. Uh, hug your inner engineer if you are an engineer. So yes, what's that? Where am I? What am I at? Thirty minutes. Thirty minutes. Okay. So, so service is so great. It's, uh, it's a test because I, you know, I can get triggered. Um, I think to me is you know I take everything personally. You know everything. Everything is about me. And so service is a good way. And it's struggle. There are times I think, you know, many of us have addictive personalities. And sometimes that addictiveness comes in going to meetings and going to service. We we all, you know, I need to learn boundaries. Like if I'm exhausted all the time, if I'm, I could be running away from things just by having 17 service positions, right? That could be a, a way of, you know, and and I'm not going to do the service positions very well if I if I have too many of them. So uh, that's that's really important for me. A lot of also too is again we teach people how we we treat each other. I had lunch with my brother today. Um, he's four years older than me, and uh, he was I would consider my father, my older brother the people that bullied me the most. Um, I think they saw weakness in me and, and they attacked that and they attacked me. So when my mother passed away nine years ago, 
I wanted, I hadn't seen my brother in 20 years and I wanted to, I wanted to establish a relationship with my brother. And I was sharing this with a friend today and that was nine years ago. And we, you know, there, there were times where my brother was abusive again. And I, I set a boundary with him. We didn't talk for a while, but he, he would come back and we'd get along for a while. And then he would be abusive again. I go, no, you're, you're not allowed to do that anymore. And so in a lot of ways, I, in the past nine years, and now we're getting along great. Now it could, could change obviously, but we get along great because I wouldn't put up with the way he treated me. I, I taught him, this is how you, you're allowed to treat me. And, um, and I'm happy that we have a relationship right now. And the thing is, is that we, uh, I mean, I love my brother and just saying that, you know, in my family, men did not say, you know, we loved each other. Uh, we didn't say that. My mother said it like every 30 seconds. And and some of it was felt to be manipulation on my mother's part. Uh, one of the things my mother would do is she she would play the martyr and she'd say, nobody loves me. And uh, my job was to rescue my mother. So I had to prove to her that I loved her. And so I would I would constantly have to do that. And then I would develop a resentment because I was I I felt responsible for my mother's feelings. And so that my relationship with my mother really affected me in my relationships, my love relationships, because I I was looking always to rescue women and, and or I met women that to me, the love that I was modeled was you rescue people. And, uh, and then, and so I would, my relationships wouldn't last because I would get resentments. I get tired. I remember having a girlfriend where I was leaving the house to go to work and it was kind of funny at the time, but it, sometimes our humor shows the truth. And she had her arms around my legs while I was trying to leave to go to work. And so that was the kind of relationships that I had no boundaries in my relationships. I had no boundaries in my romantic relationship. I had no boundaries with my work relationships. Um, and that's part of the recovery in ACA is being able to set boundaries with people. And again, we teach we teach people how to treat us, and um, and that's been a big growth for me. I think also too is one of the things that that's really helped me is 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 gratitude, um, having gratitude, seeing the gratitude, seeing gratitude. About um, after my mother died, uh, I kind of had a little tailspin, and I had some financial is issues, and and um, nearly was was homeless. And uh, and you know, I would I would go out, and um, and some days I just was so depressed, and I didn't know if I was going to live on the street or not. And I learned about coming up with gratitude lists. And so maybe my gratitude was like, all right, I don't really have a lot of gratitude in my life right now, but I would go, okay, I like, I like my shirt I'm wearing. Okay, let's start, let's start there. Okay. You know, like you're gonna find, you're gonna find some gratitude in your life. And and from that, I I went from being nearly homeless to having, you know, I have a place to live, I have plenty of food, I have a good job now. 
but what really helped me is just every day coming up with a list of to me life is a choice and i've chosen life and so uh i'm going to find gratitude and again i i've suffered from anxiety i've suffered from depression i've i've been on antidepressants i've i've dealt with a lot of this stuff but i you know things that have worked for me is when i'm down you know what are, what am i grateful for and the other side of it is 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 not living in resentment um i mean i had i had a list of people you know talk about a shit list you know i had you know if it was on paper it'd be like you'd open it up the, the shit list you know would be miles long you know could be just someone at starbucks right up oh, you got on my shit list all right put your name down you know and so i just was like i had all these lists of resentments and obviously family or ex-relationships they're they were higher up on the list and so to me i see gratitude and resentment is like the opposite of the coin and so um it's important to have boundaries and like maybe i don't resent my ex but it's probably a good idea that she's not in my life, right? And probably vice versa for her, right? I'm not saying I'm a victim here, but but there's people you can not have resentments again, but you also choose not to have them in your life. So I to me, again, the it's it's blaming them. How does that make me move forward? How do I have, have hope in my life if I'm living in like, oh, my my former boss. It's amazing to me a lot of things like I lose a job and it turns out I get a better job, right? But I had this like, you a-hole, you know, you fired me. But so it's amazing how higher power and, and you know, how to me, like I, I live in the forest, but to me, my higher power is above and can see, can see miles and miles. And so I could just see that what's going on right here. I don't know what the future is. But if I live in resentment, then I probably stay in that one place. Uh, if we live in gratitude, then I move forward. Again, I I get depressed. I get, um, but I think the biggest thing for me is I don't usually stay there as long. And I have I have a group. I mean, I'm looking at a lot, many of them, of people that I can call and talk to, and uh, go down the list. Right? Nobody answers. You go. We call the next person on the list. You go, you do, and just that kind of fellowship of of people that care and and love me, and um, it's just it's amazing to me the miracles that have happened just by by doing these things. Um, Am how how much time do I have left? You're muted. You have um, you have uh. We're almost done. We're almost to 40 minutes. So okay. I've had six minutes left. Okay. I'm you want me to, to give you a five minute warning still? Or the, uh, that? We'll call that the five minute warning right okay. there. So I was trying to think, well, maybe I'll lose the internet. And that'll be the next five. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'll give you a one minute warning. That'll be the yeah, last give one. Me a one minute warning. So I, I'm, I can be very dramatic. And so, like, I want just like the greatest. The last five minutes, land the plane, and everyone cheers. 
Um, but um, so I, you know, if I'm going to look globally, you know, um, so how does how does my recovery help the world? Right. Well, if everyone in the world was in recovery, what a better what a better place the world would be, right? And so I may not be able to change things, but it starts with me. Um, so much of what I see is is tribal, right? You did this to me, you did that to me, um, and to me, in recovery is like I'm I'm part of a community of that's changing the world. So, um, so yeah, I'm working on my stuff. I'm working on on being, you know, loving myself. To me, again, recovery in ACA is going from unlovable to lovable. That's simply put how ACA recovery is to me. And so if I'm a I'm a if I love myself more, again, it's not, we're not talking narcissism here, is that I I treat others better, right? I the world's a better place because I'm working on myself. I have better relationships and people and less things, you know, hopefully a world where we have less violence and abuse is how does it start? Well, the best way I can heal the planet is heal myself. And to me, that is ultimately, you know, how this is bigger than me. This is bigger than my recovery is. And to me, speaking in front of you is part of healing the planet. Yes, it's very personal. It's very about me. But ultimately, if we all are working towards loving ourselves more, what a better planet this will be. I know I have more time, but I, I think that's where I'm going to end it. Thank you. That's that's I'm Bill W. Thank you.